Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Don't, ooh, my, my aware, relational, boundary-setting, confident confidants. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara, and ooh, this is going to be a fun one this week, y'all. I want to introduce you to this week's guest. She is a relationship coach with a master's in psychology with over 200,000 followers on Instagram and her weekly live shows specializing in attachment theory and boundaries. Welcome to the podcast, Sylvie Hugosion. Thank you so much, Kelsey. That's a lovely introduction. I'm honored to be here. Oh, so excited to have you on. I mean... I don't know of a relationship uh, expert or coach that has as many followers as you do. And I think people are so desperate to soak up the information that you are giving. So my first question is, how did you personally get into this work? Mm, Gosh, into the work of, of healing and coaching and relationships. So I actually started off as an actress. I was an actress for seven years, and part of that world really helped me to get in touch with lost parts of myself. You know, I would get to play a role where I would get to be the angry part that I never got to be, or the jealous part that I never got to be. And I started to really get to know myself through through these roles. But also, you know, after a while, I was like, you know, this is fun and this is enjoyable, but I'm not really actually getting to the root of what I need to heal. So I started just exploring. I started taking workshops. I started doing therapy and I just fell in love with the process. And I, I was able to not quote unquote perfectly heal, right? Cause there's no such thing, but that self-awareness where I was able to recognize why am I not connecting relationally the way that I want to? Why am I not feeling fulfilled the way that I want to? And really, really wanted to take my learnings and support other people with relationship skills that we don't, so many of us don't learn in school settings when we're kids or in our family systems. Oh my gosh. You hit so many things nail on the head about how we aren't taught how to be in relationships. I remember maybe in elementary school or preschool where it's like you don't hit people and you say please and thank you, but nothing about like attachment theory or what kind of um, attachment style I have or my personality traits or how my environment or traumas have informed how I have relationships in my life. So where do you feel like what age has the most impact of how we learn about what kind of relationship we will be in or what kind of um, partner we are? So that's a, that's a deep question. I mean, the first few years is when we're a, an absolute sponge. Based on attachment theory, those first few years, how we relate, how we bond with our 
primary caregivers, meaning the person that was responsible for emotionally tuning in, emotionally regulating as being present and checking in with that, that those early emotional states play a huge role in how we attach, but also other people throughout our lives. You know, there's so many different contexts that shape us. But, you know, when I work with couples and I work with, you know, relationships, different dynamics and, and singles as well, you know, we, we work a lot on those early first years and really unpacking that because those mm. patterns are so strong that they get mirrored in adult relationships. And that's what we want to kind of look at, even if we don't necessarily remember. I mean, who remembers what happened at two years old? Like my, <laughs> right. my parent was not there for me, but we can sense like, why do I feel so anxious in, in my relationships? Or why do I feel so much resistance when somebody is mm. trying to get close to me? And we mm. start to unpack and start making sense of those things. Oof. I would love to unpack that because sure. I remember personally, not to make this all about me, but my confidants know I can't resist a personal story. <laughs> I was so fearful of that. Exactly what you said of the getting close, like even as far back as those early middle school days, as soon as I found out someone liked me, even if I had a crush on them, I was like, never mind, I don't like them. I, nope, everything's fine. I don't like, like it was instant. And that carried over into, I think, an age where I finally did become self-aware and more interested in my healing and my patterns. But what what is that? What is that fear of getting close? Can I get a little sciencey on you with this? I love to get a little sciencey. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to break down the different attachment styles a little bit in a very nuanced way so people can kind of, you know, people that are listening can be like, this is the one I resonate or this is what I resonate with. And so there's four templates that I work with. And this is based on the work of um, John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, two amazing pioneers in our field of relationships. And essentially, you know, when we look at that primary attachment figure, we want to see if, was there a secure dynamic? Meaning, was there a consistent presence, consistent attunement, consistent, can I, can I rely on my caregiver to be there emotionally for me? Um, and then there's anxious attachment, which is, I had a caregiver that was there for me sometimes, and sometimes they weren't there. So I'm very confused and I, I'm living with this constant anxiety of not knowing where, when my person is going to show up for me. Again, mirrored in adult relationships, right? Little things can be like a hair trigger and being fearful of always being emotionally and physically left. Right. And then there's a dismissive avoidant attachment, which is about mm. a caregiver that was really not responsive to the emotional needs at all. So that mm. child had to really literally learn to auto-regulate their own emotions. And as mm. an adult, someone's trying to get close to them and wants to, you know, be in an intimate dynamic. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I got this. I'm, I'm independent. I'm self-sufficient. And it almost feels really threatening and uncomfortable mm. to the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And then one of the, the last ones that came up a little bit later on the map is called fearful avoidant, which they have a little bit of both, both anxious, like meaning like, oh my gosh, I feel anxiety when you pull away. I don't really want relationship. But then when you get really close, I'm like, back off, buddy. Like, I, I can't, this is too much. And that's usually because of a caregiver that was more fearful, like um, mm. maybe abusive or really mm. intense and, and fear-based in their uh, parenting style. Mm. So a child both feels connected to that to that caregiver, but also feels afraid of them at the same time. Wow. And I have never heard that one. I'm obsessed mm. with studying sort of um, the the relational dynamics now that I'm an adult, like I said, more self-aware. And I've heard of yes. anxious, avoidant, secure, but I'd never heard of fearful, which makes 
a lot of sense, especially with the way I think the last generation has kind of learned to parent and just, you know, how the world has changed and how much more fearful the world has become. So I think that's really amazing. And and I'm glad you brought up um, those. um, Are they psychologists that you you had mentioned the theories that are based on? Because I was going to ask, what are some styles or psychologists or authors that you love on Mm. uh, their methods of romantic relationships, understanding? Oh my gosh, so many from from the attachment from the attachment uh, framework. Yes, John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth were two of the pioneers that created it. But there's a few amazing books. Um, I love Power of Attachment by Diane uh, Poole Heller is really fantastic. Um, but those are just from the attachment framework. I love right. Esther Perel. I love um, you know. There's so many other maps that help us to unpack relationships mm-hmm. outside of attachment theory, and I think it's really important we diversify and we don't just kind of mm-hmm. get locked in one map. It's nice to stick to a map for a while because, of course, it helps us to understand ourselves. Like mm-hmm. for me, for example, when I figured out I have strong, fearful tendencies I was like I don't understand when 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 it comes to the falling in love part or when I start to get really close I I freak out and I want to run I was the runner forever in my relationships and I was like this is not okay this is not going to work it's going to scare friends it's going to scare partners and I really had to kind of sit with and learn to tolerate those feelings and make sense of them and integrate them so there's a lot of different books that cover um I'm trying to think of another one for attachment theory. I can I can send more to you if you want to link. Some sure, of those. we we yeah. love a book list. We always okay. are putting recommendations in the descriptions below Perfect. for sure. But I'd love to like shift also the conversation into how attachment and boundaries mm-hmm. pull and push against each other. So, like, what do you consider to be a boundary? What are boundaries? Mm-hmm. Boundaries 101. It's always good to start with defining the thing that we're, we're talking about, right? So a boundary is essentially a limit. It's a limit that protects um, our well-being, our integrity, our sense of self, our separateness, our capacity. Um, and it's really there to serve so that we can focus on the things that are important to us. It helps to give us clarity. It helps to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. And it helps us be authentic. So it's so many things and it inter intersects relationally. You know, I've seen, you know, recently boundaries have exploded on social media in a variety of ways. There's a spectrum of, you know, different styles. And one of the styles that's really significant in the way that I teach them is, yes, we can hold our boundaries and express them, but we can also do them in relationally sensitive ways where we're mm-hmm. acknowledging um, the feelings and, and what happens on the other side of that spectrum. Mm. Of course, there's, you know, exceptions to that. If someone is being harmful or dangerous, you know, in that case, firm boundaries all the way is what I advocate for, but most boundaries are much more nuanced and, and subtle than that. And I think finding ways to express them in ways that don't push away relationships, Mm. um, is really important. And how do we, how do we discover, because I didn't really get on my self-awareness healing journey until I was in my later 20s and calmed down the partying and the bad habits and made space for self-reflection. So how do we even begin to understand what our boundaries are, especially if we're working up against an attachment style that is something like anxious or... Mm -hmm. um, 
codependent even? It's a great question. One of the first frameworks I like to teach people when they're brand new to boundaries is um, there's a there's a map by Roquel Lerner that I love, and she talks about four different boundaries. The in the physical boundary, which is our body, you know, like um, having our touch limits violated is it is a boundary violation, you know, knowing what kind of touch feels good, what kind of touch feels inappropriate, but also spaciousness. I remember I was at a party and there was a woman that like came and she stood right next to me at this party and I remember my body just like had this visceral response of just like <laughs> backing away and it's like even those subtle energetic experiences, yeah. it started to just be present to that, you know, noticing where what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And also this is where unpacking our past is, can be so powerful. If mm. we were in dynamics in our younger years where, let's say we had parents that forced us to hug every single family member, even though we were like this really <laughs> you know, sensitive child that maybe really would have appreciated more space or asked for permission. And mm. then there's the emotional boundaries, which are, um, you know, one of the ways they get violated in childhood is having a parent, let's say parents go through divorce and now all of a sudden one parent is venting to the child about everything they're going through, mm. sharing inappropriate secrets with them, mm. um, minimizing or uh, dismissing a child's emotional experiences. Those are all mm. how emotional boundaries can get violated. Then mm. there's intellectual boundaries, which is all about Everyone in the family has to think the same way. We have to have the same opinion. We have to, you know, vote for the same, um, oh, yeah. you know, president. <laughs> and there's no room for intellectual difference, right? Mm. And so having those experiences dismissed or minimized at an early age can make it really challenging to recognize when our boundaries are getting violated as adults. And that's why mm -hmm. I think working with the physical, the emotional, the intellectual, and also the spiritual boundaries, which are, um, you know, using scripture or um, spiritual lingo to bypass mm -hmm. really human experiences that can mm -hmm. cause a child to be really confused on how to just exist and have a messy, complex human inner world. Mm. And I really start with that, Kelsey, because when we have those boundaries violated as kids, like for me, my emotional boundaries were significantly just, again, just from not knowing, you know, my dad didn't understand um, what, do you, what are emotions? What do you mean? Get <laughs> yeah. over it. Like very old school, not to, not yes. to dismiss the harm of that. And, you know, my dad and I are working through so much of that now, mm. but the impact of that was me pursuing relationships where I was constantly having my emotions minimized and denied. Mm. And I didn't recognize that was happening because it was so familiar. Right. Mm. And yeah. so we tend to want to, we, we tend to move towards the familiar for two reasons, because it's familiar and it's comfortable. Yeah. And we also want to, we want to do things differently, but our brain is mm. just kind of looping until we have that self-awareness piece that you mentioned, right? Where I can mm. actually do things differently now. So, mm. Connecting it to the attachment theory framework, you know, the things that are important for anxious people to keep in mind are that they, they can want connection so deeply because mm. they want to reconnect that they can often um, not be aware of their own needs and their own boundaries. Mm. And they can sometimes not be present to the boundaries of other people. And they can sometimes be a little bit overstepping in that way because yeah. their need for connection is so strong, right? Yep. And then, and on the other hand, with someone that has more avoidant tendencies, 
They might have super strong boundaries and walls because again, they're afraid of people intruding on their space. They're so used to operating as a solo person. Mm -hmm. And so the way we work with these things is we, we bring that awareness, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really, my, I'm pushing everybody away or people yeah. are running away from me because I'm, I'm mm -hmm. aiming for, to try to create connection in these ways mm -hmm. that are not very sensitive to other people. And we mm -hmm. start to kind of find new ways of relating that are more reciprocal that are more mutual, you know? Yeah, gorgeous. And it, like hearing all of that complexity to one person, it's a fucking miracle we're ever able to do it with two people in a connected romantic way. Like, holy shit. It, <laughs> I, it, it just, it makes me so grateful for my current partner because we both came into the relationship just with all the super fucked up thriving as independent humans like mm. super successful as independent people but there was so much trauma or bad habit or you know not any to anyone's fault but there was a gorgeous 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 growth with each other and it didn't always happen at the same times and sometimes it felt like one person was just beating their head into a wall or what is that phrase beating a dead horse which just sounds so graphic and awful <laughs> i like hitting horrible. my head into a wall a lot better <laughs> but it it happened and there there's an openness to growing together and i think when we think of boundaries we think of walls setting up walls pushing someone out saying i don't want this thing i don't like this thing but what I learned through my couples therapist, which I always recommend people so go see a couples therapist. It's not for only people that are getting divorced. It's for people that just want to maintain a relationship, yes. you know, like getting yes. a car fixed up and tuned up. You don't wait till it's totaled. You got to change the gas um, or the oil. I don't know anything about cars. I have an electric car. Um, but what I learned is that like boundaries allow growth because it's like you're getting you're starting at step one which is the um awareness exactly what you said that hey when we fight or when we argue my body doesn't feel good i don't feel good about myself i don't know if that's something you're doing to me or if i am supposed to take all the responsibility of the way i feel but even just that step one of awareness of like we do this and we feel this and this is who we are as partners to each other that allows then the conversation to evolve into boundary setting in a way that it doesn't feel like i'm putting up a wall so do you have any advice for people mm -hmm. that may not understand how boundaries can actually lead to a lot of openness and how that's like kind of contradictory in itself <laughs> i think that's such a fantastic fantastic question and um and inquiry that you're bringing up because yes absolutely like for example what the example you just gave right i'm in the middle of a conflict with my partner um or a friend and it's starting to get intense i'm noticing i have the awareness in my body that i'm starting to flood and the emotions are you know it's elevating slowly and i don't want to leave this conversation because i want to work through this and I have to set a boundary so that I can stay present. Like, for example, mm. in my partner and I's relationship, I'm really sensitive to tone. So if my partner's mm. tone starts to get loud, my nervous system will shut down. So I know that about myself. So I'll say, babe, can you just like bring down your tone? And I'm Armenian and we're like Italian. So <laughs> my tone is always high. So my partner's like, but wait a minute. But how do you get to do that? <laughs> 
That is me, me, me. I am the same as you. I'm like, I talk like at this. God forbid. If my boyfriend were to talk to me that way, I would be like, you don't love me. You hate me. You're aggressive. I can't believe this. I can't believe you would do this. But the audacity I have to say that to him is hysterical. We're in the same relationship. It sounds yes, like, Kelsey. Exactly. <laughs> A lot of same but that, styles. But that's really it. Things like that. Yeah. Like, or, you know, the way, like, even just changing our body positioning and like, you know, yeah. sitting differently. Like, hey, can you come sit next to me? Or can you, you know, one of the boundaries that we also, that I talk about a lot when I'm working with partners, don't fight in the car. You know, that's a yeah. hard boundary because that, you Ooh. know, Dr. Stan Tatkin talks about this a lot. And he's an attachment, um, he's an amazing attachment uh, specialist as well. It, the, that side eye glance in the car is super threatening to our nervous systems. <laughs> so things like that. It's like, we're not setting the boundary to push away from each other. We're not saying, I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to go hide and run away. More like pause. Let's regroup. Let's create a boundary that's going to offer a protective container mm. around our relationship so that we can actually do positive work and even if that means we you know we've been fighting for over an, an hour now that's not good for the nervous system let's go to sleep and let's let our bodies just kind of do their natural reset mm. and resume in the morning so things like that Ooh. those are the kind of boundaries i recommend my 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 you are hitting so many gorgeous <laughs> points in like I, this is the only relationship I've been in where we have found healthy ways of fighting and we have very different styles, but we learned again through couples therapy and relationship coaching that I, I'm fine to take a break, which I wasn't before because he would be like, I need to, to go and process this on my own time. And I'm like, well, no, why? I'm processing this just fine. I'm really quick. I'm really good at processing right here. Let's process this together. <laughs> and he was like, I need some space yeah. and quiet to like reflect I can't take this energy and I was okay to say you know what we can pause this but I need to know and from you my need is that I need to know we're gonna come back to this from mm -hmm. a place of love and not fear or anger and like you go take all the time you want but I need a it doesn't necessarily need like a time and a place but I need to know is it going to be tomorrow? Is it tonight? Are we scheduling this for Sunday when we're both done with our like group activities? Cause I can't have all of that wondering about what's going on. Cause I'll just ruminate cause I am anxious. Mm. Um, and another thing you mentioned that I loved was about like the body language. And one thing we discovered was I need to be touched when we're mm. fighting. Cause I, lock up my body and the second I get in a in a fighting position I will beat the shit out of you emotionally and verbally mm -hmm. and not in a way that I'm proud of so like sure. just just something as simple as telling my partner like hey can we face each other and sit in a position that allows us to touch each other's knees or chest or heart or and it sounds so fucking woo-woo, mm. but no, I am beautiful. not, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it changed everything. And I, I know so many people listening to this are going to say like, I wish I could do that with my partner, or I wish I could even take that first step. This is four plus years of, of this kind of practice. So what, what kind of advice can you give to people who, who fear that their partner's going to say, this is stupid or too woo woo or I can't go there or I can't get where you want to be or you know I could see a lot of male and 
Now I know what you're thinking, Kelsey, when did you become obsessed with cowboy boots? Well, did you forget that I was raised in Florida? Are you forgetting I'm a little country girl by heart? I even wore my Tacovas recently when I went on a ski trip with my family to Colorado. I wore my white Tacovas when I went to the Taylor Swift concert. And if you didn't think you would need cowboy boots anytime soon, uh, might I remind you that Beyonce just dropped her little country album and you're going to need some Tacovas. Tacovas is my favorite boot brand and they're bringing a fresh perspective to hair boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. Their western boots for men and women are handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. And Tacova's is western to their core, offering a bunch of other head-to-toe western staples, trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it, and they'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to one of their stores, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Confidant, sober girlies, are you looking to cut back or cut out alcohol this year? Come on, join me and Zach on our sober journeys. Recess Zero Proof craft mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. We've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like a lime margarita and a grapefruit paloma, so you can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. That's right, zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% off the recess mocktail sampler at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. Each can is lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like so many stress balancing adaptogens made with real fruit and only 25 calories or less. It's a guilt-free way to unwind. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make recess mocktails your drink between drinks or like me, your forever mocktail. I am so obsessed with the ginger lime mule and also the grapefruit paloma for spring. It's my favorite go-to weekend drink. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences energy um being off put by the idea of like diving into boundary setting and, and finding out what feels good and what doesn't i mean that's such a sad reality right that 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 you know it takes such a vulnerable risk to come to a partner and say you know i want to try some things to protect our relationship to better show up for the relationship and to be met with what you know what you said and that's it's it just it's such a heartbreaking thing because everything you just said that you do mm-hmm. is exactly what i would coach people to do and what i practice with my partner and what is what we need when we're in the midst of conflict yeah. to feel safe what you say what you said about hey i totally respect your need for space and i need you to you know i need to know when we're coming back to this so that you're not left hanging and that's such a beautiful way of making it a mutual mm-hmm. and reciprocal mm-hmm. um need 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 meeting dance that's such Ooh, a, that's a, i've never said that. that before need no that was dance. great that's exactly what it is (laughs) and really like that's all we can do right is 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 you know communicating to a partner i want to show up better for us 
I, and like really using the word us, I want to, I want us to do this better. I know that when I do this, it hurts you. So, you know, if we have a resistant partner, we can start there. We can start with acknowledging the things that, that we know we've done that hurt them or that make them feel triggered or uncomfortable and really sharing that we want to do things differently and then making our need request, right? Cause it has to be reciprocal. We cannot just show up for the other person, show up for the other person. And then we kind of have to just give it time. We can, you know, of course, suggest professional therapeutic support. But if we're being present for another person's needs and really making that effort over a consistent period of time, and this is what I tell people to say, and I say, name that, bring that up. You know, I have, for the last three months, I've committed myself to really show up for you more than ever before. I know that in the past I used to criticize you when I was upset. I don't want to do that. I want to take responsibility for my needs and really express what's happening for me so that I don't push you away. I don't want to do that. And I also recognize that what I need from you is X, Y, and Z. So trying really hard to be mindful of using vulnerable language and not getting lost in jargon like attachment theory and boundaries. Cause I think that's where people start yeah. to really, we lose people, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. All right. <laughs> I'm not doing the eye gazing thing. So start yeah. <laughs> meet your partner where they're at in a kind of language mm. that they understand that they're going to be more receptive to. So they don't mm. get scared because it can be scary. I mean, all of a sudden, if someone starts using very different language that I don't know of, it's going to be like, what the heck is this person talking about? You know what I mean? Mm, mm, that brings up such a good point that it could also be something you learn how to do together. Yes. Because a big problem Jared and I have is like, we love to listen to different kinds of podcasts. He's very like ethereal, logic-based, like future thinking and I'm very emotional, grounded, practical mm. and sensitive and when we'll practice things apart and then we come back together without being like, here's the thing I've learned and been introduced to and would you try this with me? And then it's like two, you know, well, yeah. I brought a sword and he brought a gun to the fight and we're like, wait a minute, what? We got to get on the same level. And I love the idea of it being something to maybe do together, whether it be listening to the same like audio book in the car when you're driving or listen to a podcast or watch the same YouTube videos about attachment theory. Like, and that way you can pause and say like, do you understand that? Or do you have any questions about that? Or do you recognize anything in that, that makes a lot of sense to you? Or do you recognize something about me in that and being open to hearing criticism about accepting a boundary so maybe we can flip it to the other side to, to the other person's point of view where i have a very hard time admitting when i'm wrong i don't know where from childhood that comes from i haven't unpacked that trauma yet but i cannot admit when i am fucking wrong and so if my partner sets a boundary or points out something really gorgeous and i'm not the one who came up with it or accepted it i'm like well what how am I supposed to respect this boundary being all self-aware and, and respecting of you, but also I feel this literal pain in my stomach. And so where can we go to the other side in respecting someone's boundary? Especially maybe if you don't respect the boundary, like maybe if someone tells you something and you're like, no, fuck that. That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a very big reality that is not often talked about is the, you know, the common challenges when people set boundaries with us, which is, you know, a fear of being shut down, um, feeling disappointed, rejected, abandoned, feeling trapped. Mm. Um, 
And also feeling shame. I think that's one that's also present is like, whoa, did I make a mistake? Did I do something wrong? Like, or mm. if a person in particular expresses boundaries in harsh ways, then it's mm. kind of normal to feel a reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think this is where I really like bringing in the relationally sensitive piece that if I'm setting a boundary with someone, I, I try, you know, to really encourage to make that boundary about us. And not about the other person. Of course, unless the person Mm. is doing something hurtful, right? Like if someone is literally criticizing and I'm saying, you know what? I really appreciate for you not to speak to me that way. That hurts my feelings. Mm. Whereas a lot of boundaries are um, about our own capacity. And so taking responsibility for the way that that's communicated. And when Mm. people first start setting boundaries, let me tell you, Kelsey, most people (laughs) are harsh. That Mm. can be, it can be just uncomfortable. Like it's, it's a, it's a new practice for them. So it's a messy process and that's the that's the beauty with repair right figuring out maybe what does kelsey need when someone does set a boundary to also again take care of you and not leave you hanging in that right mm, mm, big time yeah wow i never i never th- i'm very self-critical and you hit the nail on the head i don't know how many times i've said you hit the nail on the head but it's just because no. you're so goddamn good at what you're talking about with it, it becomes a shame I've done something wrong. It's my fault rather than maybe this person didn't also know that that's what they needed. And maybe it's a little bit on them too, to say, oh, I've just recognized this thing about me. So I'm happy to split the, the shame with you on it. So it doesn't fall on me. And I, I love that idea of going, recognizing like, oh, this is the feeling of shame that it's about me. And we always got to remember, it's not always about us. In fact, most often it's not about us. Unless, yes. you know, those are those cases of you are doing a toxic thing yes. to someone else. And, and, you know, maybe those people aren't even listening to podcasts like this because I don't know that they're self-aware enough to say, hey, maybe I could work on myself. But we're all, we're all flawed. Um, yes. I want to ask how romantic relationship boundaries differ from a topic I know a lot of people have written in to ask about, which is fam- f- familial, familial, family, familial. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, familial. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was the right word. Familial boundaries, because woo-wee, I bet you were booked and busy during the election season <laughs> a few years ago. I mean, how how do we how do we work with a parent especially who like has old school tendencies to not want to understand go there or even believe in therapy can't teach an old dog new tricks i think boundaries with family members are one of the most challenging and complex Because, you know, most of us are trying to maintain relationships with our families unless, you know, there is a situation where there is an estrangement or which, listen, if someone is estranged from their family, there's usually a, a, a lot of work that happened before that, 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 mm. that happened. So I, I really like to advocate for people to not be shamed for um, having to end relationships. And I think... Gosh, with families, you know, there's so many different family dynamics. I come from a very communal family dynamic, mm-hmm. Middle Eastern cultures. Like we mm-hmm. do lots of things together. So and here beautiful. we are immigrated yeah. to America, which is such an individualist, individualistic mm-hmm. culture. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone does things for themselves. And so, yes. you know, it's really assimilating to like, wait a minute. So there's, it's so contextual, mm-hmm. right? Totally. And I think that framework that I gave you with, um, you know, that 
hopefully was helpful to people with the physical, the intellectual, the mm. emotional, the spiritual. Yes. Really sitting with that and thinking about, hmm, do my are my emotional boundaries getting denied or minimized, or my intellectual thoughts or opinions getting minimized? Because first, it's important to just even know what's happening and what the boundary mm. is being injured is, so then mm. you can start to communicate. You know, when when you minimize my emotional experience, I feel alone i feel sad i feel devastated you know communicating it from that i statement place that's the first tier i, mm. I would want to stay there for a little while if i was working with mm. someone that's what i would encourage them and we notice we pay attention are they taking it in are they listening mm. are they you know absorbing any of that feedback and if over a while over a time period you know they're not taking anything in the next tier would be you know, to communicate that they're not taking it in. You know, I, I've recently been trying really hard, you know, to express certain things that are important to me in order to feel safe, in order to feel loved, in order for me to, you know, feel like I'm um, I'm cared for. And I'm not really mm. getting that you're listening or you're hearing me. So having mm. a conversation about that. And mm. then, you know, when, when certain things are just not responded to, consequences are sometimes just necessary mm. and it's it's not fun you know consequences is different than an ultimatum it's not it's you're not doing it to punish someone which is mm -hmm. you know an ultimatum you're doing it because literally when you do this behavior i feel sick i feel like i i can't mm. be in the in your in the, in the presence or maybe then the, the consequences you limit the amount of time that you spend or the you know, I have certain families that I work with where, you know, over the holidays, they don't, they don't spend the, they don't sleep at the family's house or they make uh, sure they get their own place or they do whatever they can to really take care of and protect their own energy. Um, mm. And sometimes those consequences, because they end up having an impact on the family is the thing that helps the family change. And mm. it's, 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 again, it's not, you're not doing it from a place of punishing it, but you're doing it from a place of protecting yourself. And this is mm. after you've communicated the need and communicated what the boundary is enough times. And look, boundaries need to be communicated over and over again. It's not a one-time shot. This is like, mm. this, it's about being authentic to what works for you moment by moment. Mm. And, you know, there's little things and there's bigger things that have a deeper impact you know someone making comments mm. about a body is 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 not okay or mm. um you know it's just there's so many different ways boundaries can get violated does anything come up for you when i when i bring uh, talk about this? i was about to basically say i'm just turning this into a personal therapy session at this point. <laughs> it's okay but like the same way that i sometimes would feel shame of someone setting a boundary against me and I, I can bring up a personal experience for sure with a fi familial dynamic with my mom where growing up, it was like, sh it's her way. She's the mom. She's given us everything. She works 365 days a year, seven days a week. And so grateful for that. And my whole life, it was like always whatever mom says, mom goes. And I love her for that because she taught me how to be the boss bitch that like, I have that energy of being an independent woman. Love that. Seeing all the wonderful things that that energy gave me. But also there was a time where during COVID there was family that wanted to meet up and I didn't feel comfortable with it. And I expressed that need and it was met with, I'm mom. This is the only thing I asked for. Family's the only thing I want. You know how much family means to me. I do everything for my family. And she, mm. for the first time in 31, or I think that was probably 30 when this happened, 30 years, I saw her cry. 
And oh. that fucked me up because I oh. thought I had done this thing to my mom. And mm. and she was weaponizing the boundary, but also she had no no uh, no clue how to handle her own emotions. And I was crying and she was crying and I was like, we're all crying. This is love. It's a love situation. And I'm so sorry that you feel that way. But also, you know, as an adult, I have to make my own decisions. You know, like I'm not 18 or 16 anymore. You can't use that, that energy against me anymore. Even whether it was, you know, um, conscious or not that that was happening. And we're still obviously working through, and I, I'm a lot more passive now in understanding when she's being, you know, mom is the boss and mom's way goes. But also, how do I, how do people, when they set a boundary, stick to it and not collapse? And mm -hmm. I loved what you also said about it takes time because there was a quote I read the other day. It, it, it said, corrective experiences only come with practice. You can't have a corrective experience in your own head and talking to yourself in the mirror. You have to actually go out into the world and experience it. So how do we have enough armor to handle putting ourselves in that position to potentially face, um, you know, be met with, with that type of energy? <laughs> well, I think, you know, what you shared is so poignant of mm. the guilt that's very present in response to setting boundaries, especially for those of us that are more sensitive, that guilt is so normal. So I just want to validate how normal it is and just shows that you care. Thank and, you. You know, it's really just, I literally have a tattoo ugh. that says sensitive on my hand. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it's so beautiful that you care. And, you know, I think if your mom, I'm, I'm doing like, this is, this is my, this is my dream. If this is my dream scenario had happened, right? Perfect. If she would have came to you and first acknowledged, you know, I so get your boundary and I know this is mm. what you have to do to take care of yourself. And this is such a shit time. And mm. I know that you want to see me and I know that this is the last thing you want. Whew. First acknowledging your boundary mm. and validating it. Right. And mm. then imagine how much more space there would have been for yeah. you to we be skip present that for part. feelings. <laughs> we skipped right? that whole first part. <laughs> yeah. But you can, well, that's the beauty of repair, right? We get to go back, mm. not necessarily this, that this will happen with your mom, but that mm. this is the awareness that we, that we continue to gain and practice, right? Mm. That, and then maybe that's something, you know, as a suggestion, like, for you to be able to bring that caring presence back, it's also you, your boundaries need to be heard and responded to as well. So Big you time. can't carry the boat for everybody. You know what I mean? Mm. As a, you're kind of left in the sea of trying to manage the emotional experience of both sides. And, um, that's why I think the example you gave with your partner of really like, Hey, I support you to take care of yourself. And this is what I need. I think is such a beautiful beautiful mm. example of meeting both mm. sides of the needs, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's tough when you, you talk, when you're dealing with someone from a different generation or family yes. style or cultural style where, you know, I was even watching this, this very awful girl was crying on TikTok talking about how her family disowned her because she was no longer going to pay for her little sister's lavish lifestyle. But that's what <sighs> she's supposed to do in their culture is she's supposed to take care of. And so 
how do we balance that guilt of being true to our culture without Mm. completely breaking off from, you know, at what point too, Mm. is it not really up to us to keep trying and acceptance? That's the million dollar question, you know, especially with again families boundaries being so complex. You said it, the cultural piece. Now we're assimilating with two different cultures. The newer generation is learning all these self-aware tools and they're becoming yes. more emotionally intelligent and they're able to show up in these ways. And if they're not being met and responded to, how do we maintain a connection and a relationship? And I think that's just so unique to each person to decide mm. and some relationships unfortunately, you know, become so much more distant because those Mm. boundaries and those needs are just not really met. Mm. I think that's different to each person of how much everyone can tolerate and kind of like, okay, you know what? I know that my boundary and need is valid, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether or not this person. So it's like really working on validating ourselves, especially Mm -hmm. amongst people that don't validate our us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having, what's the, I have, I worked with a client who, had a relationship with a parent who um, was constantly violating boundaries, but that person wanted a relationship with them. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. and they have free agency to choose what works for them. So we would work on that. We work, okay, yeah. so when you have a conversation with your mom, what are you going to do after the conversation to take care of yourself, right? Mm. So she would literally write down a, and validate herself mm. and the things that were, that she expressed mm. that she didn't get met by her mom. Mm. So that way she's taking care of her. I'd have her call another sibling that was really supportive. Mm. Who's, who's going to take care of you so that you can maintain this relationship with this person mm. who might be old school, who just has really big limitations. Mm. Um, you know, it's not always about ending it, right? Everyone mm. has a different desire with how they want to maintain a connection or not maintain a connection. I support mm. people to choose what feels right for them. Mm, I want to tell all the confidants right now as we're wrapping up to take the link of this podcast and drop it in your family group chat. I think every family group chat could do a a good service by listening. Make it a family event. Listen to it together. Learn about it together or drop it into your, your friendship chat. I think this is just such a conversation that needs to be had. And I, I, I totally subscribe exactly to what you're saying where it's like, our generation has been giving, given all this amazing openness, self-awareness, revolution, really. And with that comes all of the shit of learning and healing the other generations that aren't willing to meet or even, you know, the toxic masculinity that still plagues us that isn't willing to meet. Like, mm. so much falls on us, but also... I love what you said of like taking care of yourself because I don't think that I've ever done that in the context of like the family boundaries, maybe with the relationship stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go get a cupcake now and journal and like, cause I live with this person and it's, it's every day, you know, it's, it's a growth thing every day, but that self care piece, oh, highlighting, sparkling, putting mm-hmm. glitter all over everything you said. And I want to tell the confidants that you have so many amazing resources on your website and your link tree on your Instagram. So can you tell us maybe what some confidants can like expect to go see and find out from your different pages and, and workbooks? Oh, thank you, Kelsey. Yes, of course. So my Instagram page, which is my full name, I won't spell it. <laughs> we'll put it in the description. <laughs> thank you. I have a lot of basically what we're talking about, relational skills that I talk about, that I teach. 
And then I also have various courses. I have courses on attachment styles. I have attachment to help you create romantic relationships, better relationship with friends, and also a course mm. on boundaries. Lots of different courses and, and, and resources to help you essentially mm. become more emotionally attuned to yourself, but mm. also so that you can create fulfilling relationships and not just learn mm. tools to, you know, to, to, for self-love and, you know, and to be independent and to know yourself, but to really bring those tools, like you said, and practice them in real time with humans that you care about. Mm. Um, so those are a couple of the offerings that I have going on right now. You're so amazing. I can literally like feel your energy through Aww, the computer. And I think this is so important to just get more out there. Like keep reposting, keep spreading this word, like send it to your younger siblings, send it to teenagers, you know, all of this stuff is things that it's never too early and too soon to start having this conversation. So Sylvia, I want to say thank you so, so much for bringing your gorgeous wisdom here with me and the confidants and um you're just awesome so thank you oh, what an honor kelsey such a joy thank you so much thank you confidants you can check out everything sylvie mentioned in the description below we'll have some links there and rate this podcast five stars because you're feeling like you're setting a boundary of not leaving any negative reviews anywhere so give us a positive review <laughs> love that <laughs> we will see you next week thank you